Welcome to Kabbalah and Coffee. So this is the way we get the week started with some Kabbalah. I think our tagline is Kabbalah, sorry, coffee in your cup and Kabbalah in your cup, <laughs> right? So it's like, because cup in Yiddish means head. So we have co- coffee in the cup, although I have tea, whatever. Just like I feel like I'm, you know, confessing. Anyway, Kabbalah, uh, coffee in your cup and Kabbalah in your cup. So the, the topic today is creation versus evolution. Now that usually means something scientifically. Seems like we're going to get into a big discussion about the origins of the universe, like how things began. Do we believe in creation? Like the age of the universe. How old is this? Is it 5,782 years or billions of years? So I'll start off with a story. By the way, that's not the topic. Even though I wrote creation and evolution, I mean something else. Although we are talking about the origin of the universe and creation and evolution, but it's not necessarily what you think that it is. And we could throw Big Bang in there as well, but it's not necessarily what we might normally think about in this context. So, uh, but first the story. Uh, so there was a fellow that goes to a natural history museum and is looking at the fossils. Not the fossils, but um, maybe fossils. Like when they have a dinosaur built out, is that a fossil? No, it's like a whole, whatever, the dinosaurs. And the tour guide says, this dinosaur is 14 million years and two weeks old. And the guy, and after the tour's over, the fellow goes over to the tour guide and says, how do you know with, with such specificity? 14 million in two weeks. The tour guide says, simple. I started working here two weeks ago. When I started working here, it was 14 million years old. So I figured, <laughs> might as well just, just keep, the, keep the timeline going. All right, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about age of the universe today, at least not immediately. What we're going to talk about is the notion of creativity versus evolution, or what we might refer to as revolutions, revolutionary things versus iterative things. Something that's brand new versus something that has evolved from something else iterative. So amongst the 10 spherot, amongst the 10 soul powers, there is one of them that is connected with creativity. Who knows which one that is? Which of the soul powers, the 10, I'm going to give you the options. So there's Chachma, Bina, Dat, Chesed, Gevura, Teferet, Netzach, Chod, Yisod, Malchut. So creativity. Bina is more of the developing Bina is connected with a feminine energy. It's like the mother that develops, the, that develops, like grows life. But you're starting with something and developing it. So which energy is creativity? Chachma. Chachma is the creativity. Bina is the development. So Chachma would be more of the um, creative energy. And Bina would be more of the iterative energy. Now, Chachma, there's a wonderful uh, phrase. Forgetting exactly where it comes from. Somewhere, some book in scripture, somewhere, it says, Chachma, or Veha Chachma, Me'ayin Timatse. Chachma, Me'ayin Timatse. Which, the phrase Me'ayin, it's, uh, um, there's another Psalm 121, a very famous Psalm. King David writes, Esa enai al haharim, I turn my eyes to heaven. Um, and then he says, Me'ayin, 
Yavai Ezri. From where will my help come? Me'ayin. Me'ayin literally means from where. Um, so, so again, getting back to Chachma, the phrase is, Vachachma, Chachma, Me'ayin, from where Timatse is it found? Chachma, Me'ayin, Timatse, Chachma, from where is Chachma found? Which sounds like a bit of a weird phrase. Is it a question? Is it a rhetorical question? Is it a, a, a curious question? But Kabbalah reimagines this, this phrase in a very powerful way and says that Chachma, means that Chachma emerges from a state of Ayin. Ayin, can all, Ayin could mean from where, but it also can mean from nothing. Ayin ve'efes means nothing, abject nothingness. Vachachma, means that Chachma, or creativity, comes from nothing. So now we really have to explain that. What does it mean creativity comes from nothing? This line in, 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 in Scripture really highlights and really expresses the difference between creativity and, um, and iteration. Something that's, that's radical, radically new, versus something that's more iterative. The difference is, something that's iterative, you started with something, and you're now developing it. It's evolving into something else. It's, it's growing, it's morphing, it's adapting, it's adopting. But you started off with something. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Um, so that's an iterative type of process. You take something and you modify it. So for example, classic example brought in, in, uh, in, in Hasidic thought is imagine you start off with a piece of wood, okay, and then you take that piece of wood. Hey, Sandrine, good morning. Imagine you take that piece of wood and you modify it into, or you, you use the wood to create a table. Right, so we have a table, we have some tables right here, although, I don't know how much, whatever, it's uh, maybe particle board wood, but whatever, let's just, you take a piece of wood and you fashion it to a table. So could you use the word create? It's an interesting question. So in, in pure uh, mystical terms, in pure Kabbalistic terms, one might argue and say, you know what, it's not actually creation, it's more of an iteration. It's more of an evolution than a revolution. Why? Because you started off with a piece of wood that had a certain weight and certain properties, and then you modified it into something that it naturally could be modified to. When I say naturally, I don't mean that it would evolve in that on its own, but it's something that is not totally out of the realm of possibility. It was, you used it to create a chair, to create a table, whatever it is. It makes sense. It makes sense. So that's not creation. That's not chachma. Chachma, chachma me'ayentimatsi means chachma, true creativity, is coming from nothing. True creativity means that you take what was and you scrunch it into a ball, like, uh, you know, like imagine a draft, you, right, you throw it away, you start from scratch. You start with a blank slate. That is true chachma. Chachma means the ability, and, and this really gets into a, 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 a beautiful, mystical um, lesson on creativity. What is creativity and what's the key to creativity? So creativity, creation means something in, uh, in, in Hebrew. Bria. Creation means something from nothing, which, is, which in Kabbalah is called yesh me'ayin. Yesh means something, me'ayin, oh, the same word. Me'ayin could mean from where, but it also could mean from nothing. 
Yesh Miyayin means something from nothing. That's what creation, hey, good morning, good to see you. That's what creation really means. Creation means that you're starting with nothing and then coming up with something. This is radically different. This is radically different than what we typically think of as creation. We typically think of creation as you're taking something and you're modifying it into something else. Right? That's what we typically think of, of creation. But Kabbalah has a very strict, I don't know, strict, very specific definition of creation. Creation means you start off with nothing and then something emerges. Now that's a very unique definition. It's a very specific definition. And the reason for this definition is because anything else, anything short of this definition, if you're taking one thing and, and modifying it into something else, although you now have something theoretically, I mean, uh, uh, colloquially new, it's not something that's really new. It's something that existed, at least in potential, it existed in some other prior form prior. So it's not really new. It's not brand new. Creation implies, again, from a place of Kabbalah, creation implies something brand new. Something brand new means where is it coming from? Nothing. It's coming, when I say nothing, it's coming from nothing prior to it. There's no prior iteration. So one way to think about this, one way to think about this is when thinking about the process of of creativity. So imagine you are a manufacturer of something. You're creating manufacturer. You're creating something, a product, um, whatever it is. It's a car. It's a pen. Something. You're creating something. There's two ways to go about creating. You can either use existing ideas and items, and then tweak it, right? Adapt it, modify it, tweak it, improve it, and then roll it out, or you can throw away everything that's ever been done in this area and start from scratch. The first, the first uh, model would not strictly be called creation in Kabbalah. It would be called iteration. It would be called, and I'm going to give you some Hebrew terms, it wouldn't be called yesh me'ayin, something from nothing. It would rather be called ilah va'alul, which means cause and effect. Cause and effect means that this effect, this this. Now, what you have now is the result of some prior cause to it. In other words, there was some other form. Good morning, Donna. There was some other form prior to it that kind of informed or, or birthed this, this new entity. But it, it existed in a prior form. Every time you have an ila va'alul, again, which is cause and effect, when you look at the Ila means cause, alul means effect. When you look at the alul, when you look at the effect, you can always trace back and see, ah, I can see. It's like you look at a child, like, oh, I can see your parents. You never see that? Like you, you can identify a person by their face. Like, oh, I, I, oh that's a soulish face. Like, like you can identify that, right? So it, it, in the alul, in the you can see the ila, right? And the effect, cause and effect means basically antecedent, or antecedent, and then, what's the other one? That's the one that comes before, and then whatever, whatever you have now, right? So there's the thing that you have now, and then the thing that produced it, and I'm getting, I'm getting uh, myself trapped in language over here. So, but the point is, forget about the language, right? Forget about the English for a second. Ila va'alul. In the alul, you can see the ila. In the effect, you can see the cause, right? You could look at the child and say, ah, I, okay, soulish, boom, I know, I know you're one of the soulish kids. Even if they're out of context, like, oh, okay, which one are you? 
So you can see in the olul, the ilah. You can see in the wooden table, I know you came from a tree. I, the tree and the table don't look, don't look, don't look alike, not the same thing. Okay, but you can see that one came from the other. It's not the same thing. Granted, it's not like a table was growing in the forest. A tree was. But you can see already. You can see in the olul, you can see the ilah. But it's very different when you have yesh me'ayin. Yesh me'ayin means you're looking at something, like, where did this come from? Va'chachma me'ayin timatse. Both translations work now. Va'chachma means creativity. Me'ayin timatse, when you look, when you see something creative, you're like, where did that come from? You with me? That's the literal translation. Chachma timatse means where does it come from? And it also means from nothing, the two are interrelated. Because when something comes from nothing, then you ask the question, where did that come from? Where did that? Whoa, I didn't see that coming. Whoa, I've never seen that before. That's brand new. And again, it doesn't have to be a product. It could be an idea. It could be a concept. It could be whatever. But something new, something creative, we say, wow, may I as both the question and the answer. Where did that come from? Where did it come from? May I It came from nothing. It came from nothing. It didn't have an antecedent. It didn't have a direct parent, so to speak, that birthed it into existence. It just emerged from nothingness. Now, it's not like it's magical. The key to creativity, and this is the, the second, the upshot of all this, which is, I think, a very powerful idea. According to, based on all this, what is the key to creativity? Real creativity, true creativity, not iter- iterative creativity, but creative, creative creativity or new creativity. The key to that is, well, let me ask the question. Let me ask, form it as a question. If when you start with something, and you develop that, then whatever you have, although maybe amazing and fantastic and necessary, is not considered truly creative because it's based on what was prior. So then how do you get something brand new? What's the first step? You have to be receptive. You have to be open. Good. What else? Good. Excellent. What's the first thing you need to do? If you have, okay, if you have cars for how many years? 100 years now? Whatever. You have cars, automobiles. And you want to create a brand new car. I don't know that anyone can pull this up, but let's say you wanted to create a brand new car. Something the world has never seen. What's the first thing you need to do? Throw out the templates. Throw out everything else. This is Kabbalah, what Kabbalah says. This is, listen to this. Kabbalah refers to this as Sile Ka'ar. You remove the light, the prior light. Everything's light, right, in Kabbalah. You remove the prior light. Whatever that is, you remove what, what was prior, you get rid of that, and now... You can start. In other words, the first step to creativity is because creativity means that you're creating something new. Again, in this strict definition of creativity, you're creating something new, right? So therefore, the necessary first step is starting from scratch, getting rid of anything that might influence you to create just a just anything that might influence you to just create a better mousetrap as opposed to a radically new mousetrap. Does that make sense? Because if, you're st- if you still have in your office, if on your drafting, drafting table, is that a thing? Whatever, on your drafting table, if you have the sketch of what everyone else has been doing and you're working off of that to create something new, it's not going to be that new. It's not going to be that new. It's going to be a better, best case, a much, 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 much better version of that. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just explaining terms. Chachma is creativity. And Chachma means that you're not starting with a sketch and then working with that to create something updated, new and improved. No. 
It means you're starting with nothing. You're starting with a blank slate to create something really new. Chachma me'ayin timatzeh. Yeah. Some philosophers believe there's nothing, there's actually no original idea, truly original idea. So, so philosophy says maybe there's no original idea. Good. I, I think everything is relative. So even when we talk about chachma in human terms, and we talk about something brand new, is it ever going to be brand, like totally, re- but it's, it's relative. The, the difference between, I have an, a specific example also, which is going to highlight your point. Because my example is going to be of something allegedly brand new, but is it really brand new? But re- again, it's all relative. It's all relative. Re- relative to God's creating from nothing, our creating from nothing is still something. Because we exist in the world of some things. But relative to just iterating something else, this could be considered a little bit more radical, new, radically new and creative. So we have to always keep things. One answer I remember when I, when I, when I was learning in yeshiva and really getting into the, the deepest uh, mystical texts, and, and you would come up often with contradictions. It's like, hold on one second. It says it here, this, but it says it elsewhere, which we learned before. It says something else. The answer was inevitably, Sevensach Vumeret which is Yiddish for, it's all contextual, right? In that context, that's how these energies align. In this context, it aligns a little bit differently, but it's all, it's all relative. It's like what Einstein said about hair, right? One hair on a head, if somebody has one hair on their head, you call them bald. If there's one hair in a bowl of soup, you call it hairy soup, right? It's all, was one hair, a lot of hair or a little hair, right? It's, uh, it's all relative. I don't know if Einstein actually said that, um, I think he talked about relativity, but that was my uh, adaptation. Okay, anyway, moving along. So, or not moving along, but the point is like this. That Chachma, again, I want to focus on Chachma because this is Kabbalah and Coffee, so it's not just, we're not just having a, con- a talk about creativity. It's, a, it's about creativity, but vis-a-vis understanding the energies. So Chachma is the, the human energy of creativity. That's where that is found. The necessary first step of Chachma is the sile ka'ar, is getting rid of the previous. It's removing what was in order to create space for what could be. Because as long as you still have what you had, you're only going to have um, a, 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 an improved version of what you had. I know I'm saying haven't had a lot. Um, it's like uh, what I once heard from Rabbi Simon Jacobson. What I actually heard many times from him. If you think what you thought and you say what you said and you do what you did, you'll have what you had. People want to change, but not necessarily changing the way they think, speak, or act. So ultimately, we're going to be the same as, as we were before if we don't actually change something. The point is that if you start with something concrete and you use that as your template and then you move off of that you're, and then you work off of that, you're not going to create something brand new. Brand new means sile ka'ar. you got to remove what was. In the language of Kabbalah, we call this not only yesh mi'ayin, but we say yesh, ayin, yesh. To go from one yesh, which is a thing, to go from one thing to a radically new yesh, you have to have an ayin, the emtza, you have to have an ayin, nothing in between. In other words, to go from one status to a brand new status, not an evolved status of the first status, but from one reality to a brand new reality, you have to have an, a void in between. Because if there's no void, all you're going to have is the same thing, but bigger and better. Are you with me on this? Yes, this applies to so many things. Not only products, but it, 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 um, 
it pertains to a job, it pertains to a, a path in life, right? If you, st if, if to go from one reality to a brand new reality, there has to be a void, an absence in the middle, which is very vulnerable. It's very scary, which is why creativity is difficult. Because creativity, the first step of creativity is to let go. And that letting go is scary. Because what it means is, one second, because what it means is, is that I am going to unmoor, unmoor, uh, un unroot myself, right, from, you know, the glue that keeps me grounded in what is and therefore what is safe. And I'm going to uproot myself from that and put myself in a kind of a, uh, a space of hovering or a space of, of absence and void and then create something new in that space. Right? Or from the, against that blank canvas, now I can create something new, as opposed to using a canvas that already has an outline on it. Right? But that, the idea of letting go of what, of what was or what is in order to get to that place is something very vulnerable. The example that's brought in Kabbalah for this is planting a seed in the ground. When you take a seed and plant it in the ground, then I am not a botanist, farmer, agrarian, whatever, I'm not a, uh, a master of the soil, as it were, but according to Kabbalah, this is what happens. You take a seed, you put it into the ground, and the seed rots and disintegrates into the ground. And it's only after the seed opens up, only after the seed allows itself to become broken open, it's only then that the, that the growth can happen. If the seed holds on to itself, if you put super glue on that seed, right? You seal it, right? You seal it so that the seed never breaks up into the earth. If it never opens up, if it never lets go of its current form, it will remain a seed in the ground forever. It will not grow into that tree producing, you know, all the wonderful fruits that it could. It's only precisely when it opens up, when it loses its identity, that it, can, that it can then become something more magnificent. Or another example we could use is The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Who remembers that book? Love that book. The Very Hungry Caterpillar. It's fantastic. right? It's about a little caterpillar that eats, 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 then goes into the cocoon. Is that my getting this right? And then emerges a butterfly. Yeah, I think so. Pretty sure that's the life cycle of a, of a caterpillar turned butterfly. The point is, if you go from one, to go from one state to the other, Sorry, to go from one state to a radically new state, it's not an, a smooth evolutionary process. There has to be something radical in between where one thing is gone so that the new thing can emerge. Creativity, therefore, chachma, requires at the core, at the base of chachma, it requires ayin. Chachma me'ayin timatze. Chachma emerges from ayin. So if you have, which is nothingness, if you have something, and you want to be creative, so then the first step is get rid of the something. So that brings me to January of 2007. And I would say half of you, approximately, will love this example, and half of you will get very, very viscerally annoyed at this example and wish to tell me how I'm absolutely incorrect because in 1992, etc. But here's my point. It's still a good example in my opinion. <laughs> I know the counter-arguments and I'm still going to go with it. It's going to be fun, I think. In January of 2007, 
There was a man in California wearing a black turtleneck who got on stage and announced the device. His name was Steve Jobs, and the device he announced was the iPhone. Disclaimer, I do not use an iPhone. I have never owned an iPhone. I'm still going to talk about iPhones. Because in 2007, I was rocking a, what, what device? Who can predict? What, what did I have in 2007? Nope, not a flip phone. Blackberry. Blackberry, yes, correct. Correct. I had a, in 2007, I had a Blackberry. And people had Nokias, Nokias, Blackberries. In my career of smartphones, I think I had, what did I have? Of course, my first was uh, a Nokia, like one of those candy bar things with snake. That was like the first. Huh? First, we had a beeper. I didn't have a beeper. <laughs> I had friends that had beepers. You know, beepers were huge in Crown Heights. Oh, yeah. Because they, the tech, as the beeper technology came into its own, that is how people started learning about Fabrengans. Because the Rebel would oftentimes just call a surprise Fabrengan. Well, <laughs> guess what? Back in the day, it had to spread by word of mouth, and whoever found out found out and showed up to 770. Whoever didn't just you know missed it. But with beepers, the beeper went off, boom, and everyone was like the streets. I I didn't live in Granite, but apparently, yeah, basically right. <laughs> or they put the bad signal up right on the beeper, and boom, everyone was there in uh, in 770. Um, so, I, but I did not have a beeper. I had I, I, my first phone was probably a flip phone. I don't know if it was Nokia or not. Then I had a candy bar Nokia, like the 8800, I don't know, whatever it was, that one, like the cla- that one, the classic one, the one that you could <laughs> drop a thousand times, it would be fine. And then I think I got a Sony Ericsson. Sony Ericsson had like a cool little uh, digital display situation, color, full color. Then I had a Nokia Smart, I don't know what it was, it was like this, it's not really that important that I share with you myself my cell phone history, but I feel like I'm going to do it anyway. Then I had a BlackBerry. Oh, BlackBerry. Whew. I moved to Atlanta. I had this uh, Nokia thing with a keyboard, full, full-size keyboard on the bottom, similar to BlackBerry, but a little bit different. And I remember that thing. It was so complicated. If you read an email on your phone, it would disappear from your inbox or vice versa. It was one of those things where they hadn't perfected the whole read your email on your computer and your phone, at least that technology, the pull, push, IMAP, whatever technology was not fully uh, speaking to each other. Anyway, and then I got into BlackBerry. BlackBerry was great. The BBM, the messenger system, the keyboard, it was fantastic. And then January of 2007, Steve Jobs announces the iPhone. And he announces the iPhone, the first, I believe, multi-capacitive or multi-touch capacitive touchscreen. I know there was a touchscreen in 1992. IBM released one that no one bought or that didn't, that, you know, didn't do anything. But... This was the first thing. Now, BlackBerry laughed. Why did they laugh? Because everyone loved the keyboard. I'm, set. I'm speaking for everyone. Everyone loved the keyboard. Everyone loved the keyboard. It was amazing. You could type. You could type fast. You could type really fast on a BlackBerry. It was fantastic. iPhone comes out. iPhone is announced. No keyboard. All touchscreen. You're thinking, what? I'm going to have to go like this? I can, touch, I can type with two hands on a BlackBerry, and now I'm going to be going like... What do they call it? Um, uh, hunting and pecking. Now I'm going to go like this, like this, like old school. Maybe two fingers like this. Cha-cha. I don't know if the cha-cha is like this, but whatever. It's probably not. Probably not a dance, right? Like this. Who's going to want that? 
A phone that has no, I think it had a button, right? There's one button. Okay, but I'm just going to go dramatic. A phone that has no buttons? What kind of, who's going to buy that? Who's like, what kind of thing is that? So I'm going to ascribe a value to the iPhone that may not be accurate, but for the purposes of today's conversation, I'm going to do it anyway. If Apple or Steve Jobs or Johnny Ives, whatever, if these guys, if they took the BlackBerry and sought to improve it, they would have never had the iPhone. What they did was, and again, I know that there were other maybe more natural predecessors to the iPhone that didn't run along that line. But here's the deal. If they had in their design, you know, their creative room, if they had the sketch of the BlackBerry and the flip phone and the, and the Motorola Razor was also big then. I never owned one, but it was also big then. If they had those phones, like how do we tweak this and make it better? You would never have the iPhone. The iPhone exists because somebody took those sketches, crumpled them up into a ball and threw them away and said, let's reimagine the smartphone. I sound like I'm speaking like an Apple, an Apple marketing, right? An Apple shill, marketing shill. And it's funny because, again, I'm rocking a Samsung phone. But you know what? Guess where this is, this spiritual inspiration is from, right? From an iPhone. That's, that's the way it is. And again, I know there's something that existed before the iPhone, but it never really, so again, for the purpose of this conversation, I'm not actually being 100% accurate, more of conceptually speaking. They took the, they took the Blackberry, gone. They took the Razor, Gone. They took the candy bar form factor. Gone. Let's reimagine this. Let's reimagine this. And because of that, every phone that comes out today is in the image of that iPhone. Not in the image of a Blackberry. Not in the image of a flip. And I know now Samsung's coming out with the flip phones. Fine. But not in those images. Not, I know you can also get candy bar. My kids in Yeshiva have old school flip phones with a keypad, with a keypad on it, where when you want to type, you have to hit the three, three times to get the letter E or something like that. You with me? Remember those? You have to type like three times and then my kids in texting. I feel bad if I text them because it's like now I know they're, they're on the hook for five minutes to, to, to text back. Um, they have that. They don't have smartphones. But my point is like this. The phones that come out today, by and large, at least here in this country, are phones that look like this screen screen, where you can change the phone through an update that comes magically through the air. You with me on this? That's the true genius of this form factor. You're not stuck. Right. You're not stuck with a button. You're not limited by the hardware as much as you are opened up to software. The whole look can change. The whole look can change with an update that magically comes through the air. Creativity versus, I don't know what the other way to say it, iterativity, that's not a thing, versus being iterative. To be creative versus being iterative. The difference is creativity comes when you get rid of what was and you imagine what could be from scratch then you have a shot at coming up with creativity. Iteration means you're using what was and iterating it. And I know that my example for the third time, this is my disclaimer, that one could say, look, 
The iPhone itself was an iteration of something else that existed, and that's fine. But again, relative to the phones that were big at that time, that everyone else was copying and just kind of you know, improving upon, BlackBerry itself was iterating, right? BlackBerry itself was, was constantly iterating with new devices and new and you know, modified form factors. But this was a brand new, uh, just a brand new thing. By the way, I was a holdout to this form factor. Anyway, yeah. So when you were talking about there needs to be a void mm -hmm. right in between, is that, I, in my mind, the mikvah somewhat serves as that purpose vis-a-vis -vis teshuvah. Mm. <clears throat> Excellent, yeah. And conversion also. Same, same idea, yeah, mikvah is a spiritual type of void, not a spiritual void, but it's a, it's symbolic of cleansing and, and total immersion. So Kabbalah explains that that immersion is like that void of losing one's whole identity, in, subsumed in water, and then emerging in a brand new state. So it could be either for spiritual cleansing or for something even more radical like conversion, which changes the status, right, of an individual, etc. Um, yeah, that's a good, it's a good parallel. So when it comes to creativity, when it comes to Chachma, Chachma is predicated on yesh, yesh me'ayin, something from nothing, which means that if you have something prior, silei ka'ar, you gotta remove the light, and then you, then you can create something new. So now here's my question. Based on all of this, which is closer? Which relationship is closer, okay? The relationship between the BlackBerry and the, I, and the iPhone. If this is a great way of phrasing it, okay. Or, okay, hear me out. Or the relationship between the initial iPhone sketch and the final product. Are you with me on my question? I'm gonna ask it again. Which is closer, which is further away from each other? The BlackBerry to the iPhone, or the initial iPhone sketch to the actual iPhone? Which is, which is a, which is closer? Which is closer? Now again, let me explain. You have the relationship between product and product, or sketch and product. Now, a sketch is not a product. I feel like I'm doing way too much explaining on my question, which always makes it not a great question. But it's very important, it's very important that we do this because this is exactly what we speak about. Exactly, but this is the concept that we're going to speak about today in, in our text. I think I have to go a little bit, uh, take, a, take a step back. Think about the initial, whatever that initial sketch looked like in Apple headquarters in Cupertino, California, with the, the design team as they sketch out the iPhone, right? That, that vision of the iPhone. And think about the final product. Again, this is not an iPhone. Think about the final product in the hand. Couldn't they be, you know, could they be any further apart? One is a sketch on a paper, right? Or maybe a digital sketch. And one is, say paper, and one is an actual device that could be used. You can't use anything on the paper. So one would say that, that's, that those are worlds apart. You with me on this? Right, the, the difference between a sketch and a product, a sketch on paper and an actual tangible item that could be used, that's like, one would perhaps use the phrase, it's like, almost immeasurable the distance between the two. And yet, and yet, the, and, and versus the difference between an actual Blackberry and an actual iPhone, both are phones that can be used. 
that we, would, we might say is a closer, right? They are closer to each other. They're more related to each other. Because, no, no, wait, can I just interject something? Because it seems, I mean, I, I think the answer to your question is, I would argue we don't know. And the reason we don't know is we don't know what the uh, developer or the, the designer was thinking when they made that sketch. You know, some, some of what you're talking about, it strikes me, has to do with what's in the knowledge or mind of the creator. And, and let me just say one quick thing. So when I did my thesis years ago, my advisor told me, we had an idea, and he said, to solve this problem, don't go look at what anybody else has done. Don't you know, go and, and consider any other things. You know, just look at it fresh yourself. I didn't know he was a Kabbalist. Nah. Turns like he was. Turns out, yeah. But, but, um, but what's interesting is, is you know, so if I then came up with an answer to the problem, somebody might say, well, you know, that was derivative in some way. You know, right. you know you, what you did is really similar to what someone said, but I didn't know it. Okay, I had no knowledge of it. So, so isn't that some of what you're saying is makes it creative is the fact of what I am doing myself and, and whether I am thinking, you know, looking at it as a derivative thing or as an iterative thing. Yeah. So, and, and, so and what's and, in that sketch is embodies my, you know, and maybe, maybe the sketch is like, hey, I just got this weird idea. Let's do something like this. And as I then develop it, we get to that final thing, in which case those two things are far apart. Right. But maybe when I wrote that sketch, in my mind, I already knew what I was going to do. And maybe that really was just, you know, a, a representation of what I had every intention but, of doing. But let's, was very similar. No, good point. But let's use your first example. Let's say your sketch is like out there and then that further gets developed into the final product that looks very different from that original sketch. Um, I would argue that since it originates with that sketch, that the two are really not that far apart. And that's where I'm going with this. Because the fact that you could iterate from that sketch to the final product, and the, the proof is that you did, tells me that there was ilo va'ol the whole time through. There was cause and effect. In other words, there was this sketch led to that idea, which led to a modification of the sketch, which led to that you know, idea, which you could trace that process. It's a representation. It's a representation, and it's also you can trace that process. It's, it's, it's a process, and the biggest proof that it's a process is because it actually happened. Because literally, that's exactly what happened. It, it followed a process. Whereas, and again, I know that my examples aren't perfect because it's using, as Donna mentioned before, we're using you know, human creativity as an analog for, or analogy for um, divine, perfect creativity. But listen, we're, so everything's relative. But moving from something that is completely, di taking the Blackberry, crumpling up that design, and starting from scratch is a bigger leap, and here I'm revealing my answer to, the, to my question, that is a bigger leap than from the original sketch of the iPhone to the final product, because the original sketch, and I know your, your point is we don't know, and that's true, because the reason why we don't know is because we're dealing with human creativity, and the examples are not flawed, and any given case could be different than any other given case. It depends on how actually the process went down. So you can't say a, a hard and fast rule, but in general, when we talk about real creativity, versus iteration, when we talk about real creativity versus taking something and iterating it and, 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 and a derivative type of, uh, of, of creation, those two are worlds apart. The creation is completely new uh, relative to what existed prior. In fact, to get what's new from what existed prior, you had to get rid of what was prior, which means that there is no natural connection. It's not like you use that to build this. You got rid of that to conceive of this. And that indicates that they are not of the same type. 
Because if they were, and again, my, my example is not a great example. It's not a perfect example because I'm using a human flawed example and, and it is what it is. I'm just trying to give you a concept, right? Imagine, right, if we suspend what we know or think about this, the specific area of, 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 uh, of design and technology, and we, and, we, and we agree, let's say we came to an agreement. I notice I'm giving you the formula. Let's say we came to an agreement that the BlackBerry and the iPhone are not just a little different, let's just, let, if we agreed that they're radically different. And to come up with the concept of a phone that has just a blank canvas that could be changed at the snap of a finger with a software update, and you're not stuck with an outdated, outmoded buttons or, 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 or input, you know, if it's open, an open slate, like a watch, you could change the watch face. You buy a watch, you buy any other watch, you're stuck with the watch face. You're stuck with the face. You buy a digital watch, um, uh, Apple watch, right, or, or another one, and now suddenly you can change it like that. Again, one could say that that's not create, cre that's, that's, that's derivative, and that's fine. But if we agree, and because this is a human example, I'm not stuck on my example. But again, I'm just trying to give an example to, to, to bring out, to illustrate this point. And the, the real point is the way it exists above. If we posit that to create the iPhone, back to the phone, that we have to get rid of the BlackBerry sketch on the wall in Apple headquarters. They have a sketch, you know, like sketched out a BlackBerry, all the Blackberries. And they rip, they off, they rip all these sketches off the wall, crumple them up in a dramatic fashion, throw them into a bucket, and light them on fire. And say, blank slate, let's dream, what, is this phone, what does this new phone look like? That new phone, again, if that's what happens, that new phone is so far removed from what existed prior, much more than that initial sketch is to the final iPhone itself. Because that initial sketch is already starting off now with a new mahalich. It's now a new, that, that's, the, that's the first first iteration of this new creation, any subsequent iteration is going to be derivative of that first one, which means that you can trace it. Whereas the initial, the initial design of the iPhone, you cannot trace, again, assuming that it's correct, you cannot trace it back. Does that make sense? There is an unbridgeable gap between the creation and what existed prior versus the first moment of creation and the final, the, fi the first flash of creativity and the final end result. I, I think, again, I think the easiest way for me to express this is take a look at that first sketch of the iPhone and the, the actual end product. And one could argue that those things are so different. First of all, maybe they look different. Second of all, that one doesn't work. It's pen on paper. That's not a phone. How is that this? That's close to this? Yeah, yeah. Because take that and keep on going and you'll get to this. You'll get, you'll get to this. If you keep on going, you'll get, you'll get from here to there. There's a logical, intuitive, step-by-step -step process that will get from here to here. How do I know this? Because you got from here to there. So obviously, there was a step-by-step -step process. Whereas to get that initial sketch, to get that initial sketch, you had to get rid of what existed prior. You had to totally abandon all that you knew about what a phone should look like, should do, how it should operate, etc. 
if I had a better example, I would use it. But this is the so example. The example yeah. I keep thinking of is the development of the airplane. Because you could make the argument that they're looking at how birds fly and how can we mimic that. But that right. is a huge cavern to get from how a bird flies to how we go down to Hartsville and board a large box with wings that look quasi like a bird and can go around the world. Yeah, that's a good example. Right, that's a good example as well. So, right, to go from... Yeah, and again, when it comes to any of these things, you know, one could one could ask the question, you know, is it really yesh? Is it really something from nothing, or is it using? Again, even my example, as Donna pointed out earlier, like, is it really? Is like the I'm I'm like doing this iPhone example. Is the iPhone really you know from nothing, or is it using you know inspiration from? And there's no way for me to answer that accurately. But if we posit that the in your example, the airplane is something radically different than the flight of birds. And yes, birds fly, but that's not how this works, or whatever. If we say that, then the gap between the bird and the airplane is larger than the initial sketch of the airplane to the building of the airplane. And that's really what I want to focus on. Because what's really important in this, what's really important, and this is without this, we're not going to understand at all. Trust me. Trust me. There will be zero way to understand the text that we're going to study today. It's important to this point, and I'm using this very specifically, the sketch versus the final product, okay, the distance between sketch and product versus the sketch and what came before the sketch. There's a greater gap between the sketch and what came before than between the sketch and the final product. Even though one is a sketch and one is a product, the gap there is much shorter than the sketch to whatever came before it. That, and that's the key point. In the language of Kabbalah, Atzilut, the world of Atzilut, the world of emanation, is the sketch. You don't have physical, you don't have physical stuff in that, in that world. You have the, the concept of it, but it's the sketch. And so therefore, from the highest world, Atzilut, to our world, it seems so vast, it's iterative. It'll get there. How do we know this? Because it got there. I mean, it's, it, it evolves. Atzilut, Berea, Yetzirah, Asiya, it goes, I, that's a sketch and this is real. That's a sketch of the iPhone. If this is an actual iPhone, there are no iPhones in Atzilut. One, one would imagine, right? So, okay, but it's the sketch. It's the sketch of what's going to unfold. But Atzilut, relative to Arain Sov, to the infinite light, to that infinite void above, that's, that is an infinite, an infinite uh, gap. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know that it's an exact, it's a, it's a great parallel, but I'm thinking of uh, X and Y axes um, where you have uh, a zero at the, uh, at, at the midpoint. You could say, you know, anything, a positive integer, anything above zero is a something. Right. And so anything to the right of zero is still a something to a something. Right. And but if you have a negative integer, a negative on the left act left, it's a neg you can't get to a positive without passing through zero. Mm, interesting. So uh, and if you think of zero as ion, right. then that's maybe one nice. analogy you could draw. I like that. I like that. Okay, so let me repeat that. So Alex pointed out that imagine like an axis. X, Y axis, imagine like a line, and you have a zero in the middle of the line, 
And then everything to the right of the line is a positive number. Everything to the left of the zero is a negative number. So to go from the negative to a positive, you have to pass the zero. So the zero could be like the ion, like the nothingness, right? How do you go from negative 10, negative 5, neg it's still negative, which is a different reality than a positive number. To go from one state to another, you have to pass that zero, that void. I like that. Mathematics and Kabbalah. It's good. It's good stuff. Well, now he doesn't get into the emotional here, but we can talk about it. Yeah. So the the, the state of and I mentioned this before, but the state of of creativity, the reason why it, for many it's so difficult to be creative, is because it does require, at its very essence, it requires an abandonment of what is, which means an abandonment of what is secure, because what is is usually what is secure, even if it's not great. But it is. So like if you're dealing with a product that's not great, but it's what we know, it's what we use, we're comfortable with it, it's easier to just keep on going with that and you know, improving it and tweaking it than to get rid of it and try something brand new. Also, Most, you do that, you have to be in the face of unbelievers or disbelievers. Yeah, right. If you're launching a brand new product and a brand new set, right. If, you, if, you're, if you're launching something brand new, then you have to try to convince people that your reimagining of this whole, of this whole problem with this brand new solution Makes sense. You have many people that are that were very creative that failed because people didn't buy into it. People weren't ready yet to let go of all. You have all the time, you know, with artists. Uh, you know, this artist was ahead of their time, and they weren't appreciated until after they died. What does that mean? It means that in their time they were a little, a little too creative, a little too advanced. They saw things in a way that people, you know, they, they weren't just weren't up there yet, up to that, up up to that point yet. It's music, it's art, literature. You have these ideas where there are advancements made before people are ready for it. So yeah, it requires a lot of, you know, I was thinking this morning a word, and I don't know if I mentioned it um, today. I may have. I, I meant to mention it either way. And that is creativity requires an element of bravery. That's what I was getting. Yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's the, those are the lines that I was, that's the line I was thinking of this morning. Creativity um, really requires an element or a strong element of, of bravery. What do I mean by bravery? Bravery to let go of what, of what is or what was in order to imagine or reimagine what could be. That, that's, it's, it requires bravery because it's not easy to let go of something, even if it's not great, because it's what you know and it's what you have and it's comfortable and so maybe we can tweak it, make it a little bit better, maybe it's not so bad, right? It's... That's typically how we would respond if we're trying to hold on to the comfort of what is. To true creativity, something brand new requires letting go of what was. Is that easy? No. It's profoundly, it's profoundly difficult, which is why it's, not, it's easier to not be creative than to be creative. And I, I'm not, it's, it's, not, it's not a judgment. It's not a judgment at all. It's just, it's just a, a, an analysis. Chachma is the most, one of the more difficult energies to access within because it requires letting go. It requires it requires just the dream. It requires it, 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 a necessary ingredient of that is, is that bravery. So to go from one status to another status, which is radically different, requires this gap in the middle, that gap is the product of letting go of what was. 
and that gap is filled with the, uh, the, 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 I don't know if the emotion or the act of, of bravery of letting go, of taking that paper, that design, crumpling it up and saying, we're starting over from scratch. Where's this gonna go? I don't know, but we're starting again from scratch, new creation, new idea, new product, new segment, whatever it is. And again, did, I, did, I, did the iPhone actually do that for the purpose of today's conversation? Yes, only because we need, I needed an example. Did it actually do that? I have no idea. We can ask the, uh, the historians of, uh, of technology to weigh in on this. But theoretically, for the purpose of this conversation, let's, let's assume that that's what happened. Um, okay, but again, the main thing, if you take away just one thing from this entire discussion, I'm hoping that you're getting this idea that to go from a sketch of a thing to its final production, although sketch and product are vastly distant, it's still close, relatively close, because the sketch led to another sketch, led to another sketch, which led to the final product being created. That was a, once you started on that path, it has a way forward. The initial sketch, vis-a-vis what came prior, there's nothing that informs that. Are you with me? Because that sketch, if it's truly creative, came from nothing. So there's nothing before that is the antecedent to that sketch. Now you're wondering, where does it come from? Well, in the, in, in the human mind, Chachma comes from the soul. The soul has a power of creativity. The soul has, because the soul is a piece of God, it has the ability to generate brand new things. That's what we believe. So the soul has that power. But Chachma is accessed when we let go. You ever have like creative thoughts when you're falling asleep? Because we're letting go. We're, we're, we're in a dream. Even the word that we use, dream of something, dream, right? Why do we use the word dream? Because when you're in a dream state, you can think of things that are a little bit crazy. Because <laughs> you're not so tethered to reality. That's what a dream is, right? The whole notion of a dream is I'm letting go of reality a little bit and imagine new possibilities. So we, that happens when we sleep, yeah. But, it, but uh, Rabbi, if you think of the tree of life also as a flow diagram, then, then there is an antecedent to Chachma too, and Keter, no? Yeah, Keter, good question. So is Keter the source of Chachma? It's funny because in Kabbalah it says that Keter is the ayin. It says, Chachma mm-hmm. comes from ayin, Keter is ayin. On some level, Keter is that letting go in order to allow for something new to come in. How exactly does that fit into Keter? We'll have to say that for another time. But that's, it is connected with Keter as well. Keter also is this unknown. In, in, in more, um, I would say, more straightforward terms, we would call Keter the Ein Sof, or the Ar Sof, the infinite, that lies beyond Chachma from which something now emerges brand new. It's, yeah, Keter's at the top, yeah. Even though a lot of times we define Keter as will and, and pleasure and that sort of thing, but relative to Chachma, Keter is that ayin. Keter is that nothingness. Okay, so now here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump inside our text, and we are, let me find out where we are. We are... On page, give me a second.
Now I had a marker in my book that it moved out, so give me a second. Ah. Uh, I believe we're on page 300. No, or maybe 298. Yep. Page 298. And the goal today is going to be to conclude Discourse 21. Okay, so everything I told you about iPhones and Blackberries and Nokias and flip phones and all that stuff and sketches and creativity and Chachma and Ayin and Yesh and Ayin and Yesh, all that stuff is what we're going to talk about today in completely mystical terminology. All right, so bear with me. I'm going to get the text up here on my screen to share it with everybody online. Um, in your copies, you guys have that, 298, chapter 2? Okay, great. All right, let me get to it here on my end. 296, 7, 8... All right. Here we go. Chapter 2. The Infinite and Atzilut. Oh, oh, you know what? <laughs> let me do one more thing. Let me just, before we even start inside, let me just tell you what these characters are. You ready? The iPhone is Atzilut. Okay. The Blackberry is... I don't know if that's the array itself, but the Blackberry is like what came before. Oh, sorry, the iPhone sketch is Atsilut. The iPhone is Asiya, this world. So again, there's four worlds. Atsilut, emanation, uh, Bria, creation, Yitzir, formation, Asiya, action. We're, talking, we're only really talking about the first and the fourth. So the highest world, uh, Atsilut, is the sketch, the world of sketch. This is the world of action. Right, so one would say, wow, sketch and action, whoa, to totally different realities. They're closer than you think. Right? Versus the sketch. And prior than the sketch, that's vast. Here we go. The infinite and, and that's it. Thus, based on iPhones and Blackberries, the Alter Rebbe said that greater than the incomparability of Asiya to Atsilut, of sketch to product, is the incomparability of Atsilut to the infinite light. In other words, which is the greater gap between Asiya and Atsilut? Between product and, and sketch, or between sketch and what came before? The answer is between sketch and what came before. Within the infinite light, his essence, there is no such thing as Sephirot. There was no such, in the realm of Blackberry, there was nothing called the iPhone. Within the infinite light, there is no such thing as Sephirot. There's not a sketch of Sephirot. Sephirot don't exist. That concept doesn't exist within the infinite light. The ten Sfirot of Atzilut are like a new being, brand new. So they come about from the infinite light, 300, through the Tzimtzum and Makom Panoi. Tzimtzum is contraction, but Makom Panoi is really the, the key over here, which means, Makom Panoi means an empty space, empty space, which is the complete concealment of the original light. You know what that means? You take the sketch, you throw it away. That's how you get Sfirot. Sfirot did not exist prior. How do you get Sfirot now in Atzilut? How do you get the first, the first emergence? It might be a sketch on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a drafting table, but how do you get the concept of Sfirot from a space where there was nothing before? Take whatever there was, infinite light, chuck it. And I know what you're thinking. How do you get rid of the infinite light? I can't. You can't. You know who can? God. 
God did his own, God is self-tzimtzumed, I'm using it as a verb, and created a makampono. It means empty space. It literally means an empty space, obviously with God, whatever that means, that means. But it means conceptually, took what was, threw it away, created now an empty blank canvas to, to reimagine what things could look like and what, what emerges is a sketch of the spherot. Are you with me on this? Okay. Which is the complete concealment, that second line on 300, the complete concealment of the original light. You know what that means, complete concealment of the original light? It means you take what was, you get rid of it, now you can have something brand new. Then, oh, and that's what he says right here. Then, something can appear, not at all on the order of the original, but now concealed light. When you get rid of what was, you can now have something radically new. Because otherwise, you're not going to have anything radically new. If you, if you have what you, if you keep what you had, you'll have what you had. If you didn't change, you didn't change. If you didn't get rid of what you had. I'm trying to think of another example outside of product development. Like anything in a relationship, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the same person, but like tweak this. I'm gonna be the same person, which might be fine. But anyway, change means there's different levels of change. You can iterate, you can be derivative, or you can have something brand new. The the ten sfirot that first emerged in Atzilut are brand new. They didn't exist before. Which, by the way, that itself it tells elsewhere in Kabbalah that they did exist. But again, sevensik It depends which what context. But in our context today, they didn't exist before. Right? So relative to not existing before, now existing, how do you get something that didn't exist to exist? you got to get rid of what was. However, let's continue 300, that second paragraph, but Asiya, our world, the finished product, the actual phone, does have a relationship with Atzilut, with the sketch. Since Atzilut too has an existence, the term Chachma, because in that sketch... It had a picture of the screen. Didn't have a screen. There's no screen on paper. It was just a paper. Okay, but it's labeled screen. And this is a screen that's kind of close. You with me on this? You have a sketch, maybe better sketches of a car or an airplane, right? Airplane examples used also. So you have like little labels for what everything is. That's a window. Is it actually a window? No. It's a little box and it says window on it. It's not an actual window. You can't see through that. It's not a window. Okay. And, 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 and here in this realm, we have a window. It's an actual, real, usable, functional window. So that's not at all the same thing. But it kind of is. Because they're both windows. Our world, we have chachma. We have operative chachma, the way, we under, the way, our, the way our chachma works. In Atzilt, there's also chachma. And that chachma is vastly different. But you know what? It's also called chachma. It's the sketch of Chachma. We have functional Chachma. Whatever, I'm not saying it's not functional there. It's whatever that is over there. It's more like the sketch than the actual our Chachma. And yet, they're both Chachma. That's what he's saying here. Asiya, I'm starting again. Asiya does have a relation with Atzilut. Asiya is the lowest world. Atzilut is the highest world. Since Atzilut too has an existence in terms of Chachma. Hence, Chachma in Biyah, Chachma in the lower three realms, Bria, Yitzir, and Asiya, cannot be considered a truly new being. It's not creative since there already is such a state in Natsilut. It's already in the sketch. Does this make sense? Yes? We must say the Chachma of Biyah is included within Chachma of Atzilut. Our Chachma is included in that sketch, since the latter is also a state of Chachma, but only in a higher form and category, as is known that every superior plane contains within it all that is lower than it. It's the sketch that contains everything that will iterate and derive from it. It had all 
the ingredients. And even if it didn't, as Michael pointed out, but one second, I took that sketch and modified it. Okay, but you modified it from that. So there was something in there that led to that. You could still trace it. And then again, the counter argument could be, but everything could be traced. And I can't argue against that. We have to come up with our minds of a theoretical example of something that cannot be traced. It's so creative, it cannot be traced. That's what atzilat, relative to what's beyond it, is like. Something that could never be traced prior to it. The existence, next paragraph, third paragraph, the existence of Chachma of Biyah from Chachma of Atzilut. Again, the iPhone, actual iPhone, from the sketch, Chachma here, the way it derives from Chachma in the sketch in Atzilut is by way of Hishtal Shulut. Look at those words. I told them to you before. Ila Va'alul. It's by way of Hishashu means an evolution of cause and effect. What does that mean, cause and effect? It means that the thing that you have, you can trace it back to a higher form. And that thing, also back to a higher form. And that thing, also back to a higher form. Which means that when you're holding the iPhone in your hand, if you poured through all of the documents in Cupertino, you would see how this came from that, which came from that, which came from that, which came from that, which was first embodied in that original sketch. You could trace it back. You could unfold the evolution. You can unfold the process and see how this effect was, was rendered by that cause, was generated by that cause, and how that cause was generated by a prior cause and a prior cause and a prior cause and a prior cause until you get all the way back up to the first iteration, which here he's calling Atzilut. But, I don't think it's a but. The Chachma of Biyah, it's not but. Because it's the same point. Chachma of Biyah, our Chachma, is called a derivative light. Michael, you used the word derivative. Little did you know, it's right here. Derivative light and a new radiance. New radiance doesn't really mean new. It doesn't really mean new. It's more derivative than new. The reason is that Chachma... Ah, I see, I see, I see. Okay, no, I think he's saying it's called both. It's both called derivative and new. In other words, both are true. The iPhone, you would say the product is new because it existed in sketch form prior. So it's new on one level, but it's not really new. It's really more of a derivative. I think he's saying we really have both phrases with regard to the, the, lowest, the lowest item. It's both derivative and a new radiance. The reason is that Chachma is of another order than Chachma of Atzilut. In other words, our Chachma is radically, is, is very different, vastly different than then Chachm in the sketch and Atzilut, and comes into Biyah, and comes into being in Biyah through the Prasa. The Prasa is the curtain. The Prasa we've explained is like an illustration that is quite different from the subject at hand. It's like using an analogy. That's what we, t- we talked about two weeks ago, is using an analogy to explain something where you take a theoretical concept and you put it, you, you enclose it into an actual story or into a physical item. You want to do math and you say, okay, two items. So, one, one plus one is two. One plus one is two. One plus one is two is not a cup and a mouse. It's, um, or two apples. It's, it's a concept, but I've now enclosed it into something. A sketch is a concept, but it also has a physical incarnation. So although it's n- the physical incarnation is new, it's not really new. It's uh, derivatively new. Um, the process too... Doesn't, this, doesn't yeah. this then answer the question that was raised earlier, which is, there really is nothing new. So this is saying that, yeah, it's not totally new, but it's new, it's, it, there's a sense in which it's new enough that we consider it to be creation. Yeah, within this within this structure, from sketch to product, nothing is really new, but we call it new, but it's not really new. Exactly, that's exactly what he's saying. 
But what he's saying is from Atzilut, the sketch, to prior than Atzilut, that's brand new. And that was my example of crumpling up what you had before and starting again. And again, can we find that in our existence? I don't know, because I think we're stuck within this structure. So nothing is really, really new. But again, it was my way of trying to express the difference between these two, these two, uh, these two models. Sketch to product versus prior product to new product, which the, the latter is, 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 is more of a gap. So from BlackBerry, in my, in my head, from BlackBerry to iPhone is a larger gap than from iPhone sketch to actual iPhone. Anyway, that, that's, my, that's my central thesis for today, which may be wrong. Um, I'm saying maybe not, it's not wrong conceptually. It may be wrong in actuality, but that's a different, but who needs the facts when we have uh, the concept? All right, so the Prasad 2 is completely different from Atzilat than is the medium for the existence of Chachma Biyah. In other words, when you go from Atzilat, Chachma Vatzilat to Chachma here, it's a, va- it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really big gap. I mean, one is in Atzilut, and one is spiritual, and one is uh, theoretical, and one is real. Okay, but it's like the sketch to the, uh, to the actual product. So you can still trace it. This means that Chachma was renewed by an entirely foreign element and is thus called new. <laughs> in other words, it's new... He's saying the same, right? He's saying the same thing. It's all relative. You could say that our chachma is new. You could say that when the iPhone came, oh, I, maybe this is the way to, to keep on, you know, dragging in my analogy. Maybe one could say that when the iPhone actually launched in June of 2007, right? In January of 2007 is when it was announced. In June 2007, that's when it actually launched. You could buy it in June. Remember there were lines? You could only buy it from, was it AT&T? I think initially. Yeah, if you were on Verizon, you were out. Anyway, whatever. So, um, was it singular then? Who knows? Still now, there's a line. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but now you can get it online. I think then you had a, it was like crazy. So, in June of 2007, one would say, oh, this is a brand new phone. You would call it new. But is it really new? You with me on that? You, this, I think that's exactly what he's saying. You call it new, but it already existed in Cupertino. It existed in prototype form. It existed on a sketchboard. It existed in someone's computer. So is it new? We call it new because it's. this is the first iPhone that's ever been produced. It's brand new. But it, it was. But, that, but it wasn't this. So, we, so we're straddling two realities. It's new, but it's, it's the final product of this, of this journey. What was really new was that first sketch. Again, assuming that was actually new. That first sketch was really new. That's the real creation. This final result, we call it new. But, but you and I know that it's just the end, the final step of a, of a journey. Okay, this means, last paragraph, the Chachma was renewed by an entirely foreign element. And is that, this translation doesn't really make, it doesn't really mean anything. This means Chachma was renewed, what does it mean renewed? Chachma is generated, right, as something new and therefore it's called new, but in essence, so it looks new, but in essence, Chachma is not truly new, i.e. radically different. What does that mean? It's not truly new, radically different. It's not radically different from the prior iterations of Chachma, going back to Chachma Vatzilah. But for the, the creator, it's new. 
Creator, Which step? Of that oh, no, no, no. No, what he's saying is the end result is not really new. Okay. Right? Because it existed in the creator's mind and originally. But what you're saying is, I think, is that initial flash that, it, that he is yeah. calling new. That's really okay. new. Yeah. So he's not, yeah. But in essence, Chachma is not truly new. Oh, sorry. Ch- the Chachma down here, not the original Chachma. Chachma down here is not truly new, radically different. Hence, it comes into being through the Prasa rather than through the Tzimtzum. It comes through a screen rather than a total removal of the light. It comes through the process of refining rather than removing. Right? You're taking a, a sketch and refining it as opposed to throwing out something and starting from scratch. Um, for Tsimtsum is the removal and concealment of the 302 now. For Tsimtsum is the removal and concealment of the original light. In the process of process, however, in the curtain screening process, the refinement process, uh, refining process, the original light, mean, meaning Chachma Vatzila, clothes itself and becomes concealed within the process to bring the state of Chachma Abri into being. In other words, you have the sketch, which becomes another sketch, which becomes another sketch, which becomes a prototype, which becomes an, another sketch, which becomes a second prototype, which becomes, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It becomes all these. Or, you know, another example could have been a concept car. You ever see these concept cars that are really out there? All these companies now, now like the electric concepts, those are really cool, right? They have now like these crazy concept cars. I just saw yesterday, a company announced they're releasing first ever sol- 100% solar power car. I don't know if it's 100%. I think it's solar and electric, but solar power car. It's got all these solar panels on it, right? It's great. You live in Arizona, in California, a place where we're always, always getting sun. Psh, look at that. Let the sun power my car. They announced it. It's about $250,000. So... A small price to pay to leverage the sun. Perhaps one could argue. I don't know. Anyway, the point is that any final product that is released will have been the end result of many iterations, of many sketches, of many prototypes until it got to market. So that final product, the consumer will say, this is new. But it's not really new. It's the end result of a larger process. Now, it is new and it's not new. It's new because this never existed before, but it existed in prototype before. But before the initial prototype, before the initial sketch, nothing existed of this. That's where it's really new. The first sketch is really new. That's what he's, he's going to say in a moment. Um, in the case, so again, 302, 1, 2, 3, Rabbi, 4, 5 lines. Yeah. Rabbi, could you, in essence, substitute a prasa for uh, concealment? Mm hmm. No, prasa is not concealment. Prasa is. It, it feels like your diminution of the uh, of the light results ultimately in in a world that is unrecognizable in a sea compared to. Yeah, 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 yes. So you could use that word, but again, it's imp- the reason why I'm saying no is because he's literally contrasting it with with the alternative. So. The way he's, again, and all of this is contextual, like I said before. So in this context, he's, he's using language in a very specific way. He's saying that there's two types of creation. One is from nothing, and one is from something. So the from something creation, the way that iterates, is he's using the example of a prasa. Prasa is a curtain, a curtain screens, which means it's a refining process. Imagine when you filter light, you know when you're doing a photo shoot and you have light that comes through a filter, through a screen to create a certain ambiance, a certain mood, a certain look, either light or warm or dark, whatever it is, right? So it, 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 it softens the light. So you have a process by which the initial sketch becomes filtered 
and it becomes refined, and it becomes colored, so to speak. It becomes shaded, and, and, and ultimately produces the end result. And then what he's called the tzimtzum, that, although it says elsewhere that there's tzimtzum between each of these worlds, fine, but the way he's referring to it in this case, in order to get the, the distinction clear, so the tzimtzum that he's referring to means a total concealment of what was before, which means that you're not refining what was before, you're actually getting rid of and tossing away what was before, and clearing that away, and then starting from scratch. So that's how he's using Simpson here, even though, again, that's not the way it's used but, uh, in all places. I mean, isn't the, the real practical lesson for us that uh, how foolish it is for us to believe that our world is completely separate from the spiritual world? Yeah, one of the big, yes, very well, very well said, and I'm going to repeat it again, is one of the big upshots of, of this whole discussion is that we are part of a larger continuum. We are not separate. We are not disconnected. We are not just free-floating. Here it is. It's, all, it's only, you know, this is where it began. This is where it ends. But this is the end of a much larger story. We are but the final iteration of a much larger continuum. And thus, we have a connection to something higher. At the same time, at that first point, there is a gap between that and what was before it. So we really have both, both ideas. Let's get back inside because I want to finish the, the, uh, the chapter and then kind of draw out what I hopefully will be some practical lessons from all this. So five lines down on 302. In the case of the illustration, that means the muscle, the analogy, the parable, the subject is actually embodied within the illustration. And from it emerges a new thought for the recipient. It's not actually new. It was always there. You took a thought and you put it into a story. Then you tell the, 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 other, the, the child the story. And this, the child learns the lesson from the story. Okay, so there's story and then there's the idea that you put in the story. So it's not new, it's just, uh, it's, 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 being, it's a process. It's a new iteration. Similarly, Chachma Batzila closed itself within the process and from this comes in a new form. Again, he quasi-new, not really new, but in, a, in a, an apparently new form, but not really, the state of Chachma Bria. That's the next word. It follows that Chachma Bria has, the same, has some common terms in reference, of reference with Chachma Vatzilot. Chachma Vasiya also shares some common terms of reference because they are all in the category of Shashos Ilavaol. It's all cause and effect. And I know I'm running through this, but the point is, is it's all the same point. Chachma originates. The ten Sfirot, including Chachma, originate in Atzilot. And from there, it evolves. Atzilot, Bria, Yetzira, and finally Asiya. And although every step along the way seems brand new, whoa, this is brand new, it's all derivative, it's all, uh, um, it's all being inspired by what came before it. Now just as, let's continue, just as Chachma Vasiya, our Chachma, wisdom, Creativity has a relationship with the supernal Chachma Vatzilot, so has Chesed of Asiya. He's now saying this is not only with one of the Sfirot, it's with all of the Sfirot. Chesed of Asiya, Chesed is kindness of Asiya, which is a product of Hishashu from the supernal Chesed of Asiya, of Atzilot. So just like our Chachma is a derivative of supernal Chachma, our Chesed is a derivative of supernal Chesed. Chesed of Asiya then, our Chesed, is actually rooted in chesed of atzilut. In other words, the chesed that you and I enjoy is actually sourced in the chesed that's sketched in atzilut. As is, allowing for the incomparability of the two subjects, the sweetness of an apple rooted in its spiritual muscle and in, in its ultimate source in the spiritual chesed. In other words, a sweet apple, and this is, I said this several weeks ago, a sweet apple in Kabbalah is said to have emerged from chesed of atzilut. 
What? An apple from Atsilut? There are no apples in Atsilut. It's the world of emanation. No apples there. I mean, the sweet apple comes from Chesed of Atsilut and bitter stuff comes from Gvura? Yes. Why? Because the, it's like the difference between the iPhone and the initial sketch. That's that? Yeah. Yeah. But that's not that. Okay. But it's also that. It's not that and it is that. It's a piece of paper and this is an actual thing. It's Chesed of Atsilus and this is an apple. Okay. <coughs> but that has, this is sweet and that's sweet. Okay, different type of sweet. But we use sweet like that all the time. Person does you a favor, say, that's so sweet. <laughs> How do you know? All right, I mean, right? We don't mean sweet in flavor. We mean sweet in concept. You with me on this? So there's conceptual sweetness. Perfect. Just like a conceptual screen on a piece of paper, as opposed to a real screen in real life. So you have a real apple that's actually tangibly sweet. You can taste it and it's sweet. And then you have chesed vatsilus, which is sweet. And one comes from the other. One comes from the other, one comes from the other. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. From chesed. So again, the sweetness of an apple is rooted in its spiritual mazel and in its ultimate source in the spiritual chesed. Spiritual chesed means chesed of Atzilus. <coughs> now, from chesed of Asiya, that's our chesed, that from there flow forth actual material matters and the life of the entire mundane universe. It follows then. All right, now we're bringing it back to the initial plot that we developed already, I don't know, a month or two ago. It follows that, then, that in the chesed of Atzilut, again, I'm substituting my words today, sketch, in the original sketch, allotted each person in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Ah, now we know what happens in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. High holidays, what happens? When God decides how our year is going to look, you know what happens? Sketched out. Not actually produced yet, nothing happened yet. You got the sketch. Oh, you got a sketch. Okay. So in the chesed that's allotted to each person, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, all the physical beneficences that flow from chesed of Asiya are evidently well-rooted. In other words, everything that will eventually flow to the person throughout the year, it's all been sketched on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Since chesed of Asiya, our chesed, is rooted in chesed of Atzilut in the sketch, Everything that flows from Chesed of Asiya is rooted in Chesed of Atzilut too. So everything that actually unfolds is rooted in the sketch. I.e. Chesed of Atzilut, the sketch, already contains within itself all the roots of the things that flow from Chesed of Asiya. All the stuff that we enjoy throughout the year. All the blessings, all the kindnesses, all the sweetness in a real way that we enjoy in real time, in real life, in tangible things that we can look at and touch and feel and enjoy. All of that was not only determined on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, it was sketched out on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Well, sketched out means that it's done. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's sketched. So it's, it's, it's an interesting interplay. On the one hand, it's not actually there. It's in the sketch. On the other hand, it's not not there because it is sketched. And when this comes out, it's like, oh, I, oh that's, that matches. Everything. This, but we're going to focus on the blessings. This is the meaning of the judgment of man on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur for all that will occur to him during the year. That's, he's explaining now what it means when we dive in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, when we pray for a good year, and we say that on Rosh Hashanah it's written, and Yom Kippur it's sealed, right? All the blessings. What does that mean? It's the relationship between Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and the rest of the year is like a sketch to the final product. The chesed determined for him or her on Rosh Hashanah 
Um, and Yom Kippur, hold on. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, this makes sense, sorry. I'm being thrown off by the pagination here. Uh, let me start again from the bottom of 302. Okay, the chassid determined for him on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which flows into Malchah Ravatzilut, includes within itself all its future ramifications. That sketch, better than the initial iPhone sketch, I'm sure, which didn't foresee all the iterations, all the changes necessarily, that initial sketch includes all that's going to happen. But there's a vast difference. There's a gulf between sketch and blessings because a sketch is not a blessing. Just like a sketch is not a phone, a sketch is not a blessing. But you can trace one to the other. So too you can trace the blessings to that. Now, so what happens in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? Something brand new is created. Just like the initial sketch is the creation. You with me on this? Just like when we talk about the creative sketch, before, prior to the sketch, you didn't have that. You had nothing. The Chachma came from nothing. And then you had a sketch. That's brand new. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur creates a new reality. But what form is the new reality? It's still sketch form. And then it unfolds. So the relationship between Sunday, June 12th, 2022, the 13th of Iyar, right? The relationship between this day and Rosh Hashanah is much closer than Rosh Hashanah to prior than Rosh Hashanah. Because prior to Rosh Hashanah, you didn't even have a sketch. So to create the sketch was the big deal. That's why Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is a big deal. It's the creative, it's like that creative moment where you create the initial sketch from nothing. So you're creating from nothing, you're creating a new sketch. And that's going to be the template, huh? When is, old, when is last year's sketch thrown away? Right, right uh, as, the, as the year concludes. Right as the year concludes. As one year concludes, that, that's gone. Blank slate. And now Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is creating a new sketch. That's the big effort. That between, after Rosh Hashanah, it's, okay, it's still, it has to evolve and it has to unfold, but you have the sketch already, you have a template. But to create the template, that's where the real magic happens, which is why we invest a lot of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And it's also why we invest the rest of the year, because we also want to make sure that the, that the flow, as we've said before, that the flow keeps on flowing. So I, I, I want to share two, let me see if I can remember, I had two takeaways from this that I wanted to share. Um, two takeaways. Number one, number one, number one, number one is to challenge ourselves to think outside the box. I don't mean necessarily to launch a new business or to start a new career or to, um, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, you know, paint something, although it could be all of the above, but to think creatively vis-a-vis our spiritual connection, right? To think outside the box. Not to just iterate on what we've already done. Like, okay, I'm already doing this mitzvah. Let me do it a little bit better. Or let me do it also, you know, another time in the week. But, you know, I put on tefillin one day a week. I'm going to put on tefillin twice a week. Or I like Shabbat. Whatever it is. I have five people over to my table for Shabbat. I'm going to have six. That's iteration. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, dismissing that. Because that's going to be my second lesson. But the first lesson is, let's think outside the box. Like a blank slate. Like reimagine our... Yiddishkeit, our Judaism, reimagine our spiritual connection, right? If we started from scratch, what, what, what could be on this, on this canvas, right? What new mitzvah, what new opportunity, what new, and then imagine that and create that vision. And at the same time, iterate. What I said before, right? Iterate, add on to what we're already doing, have that evolve, have that 
you know, concretize, etc. I think both are very important. Not I think. Both are very important in life and in our journeys. So we need to be creative and derivative. And with this, we model the process of creation. God created our reality and continues to create our reality using both methods. From nothing to atzilut, and then from atzilut to asiya. So there's the creation of something from nothing, and there's also the iteration of something to something. Both are utilized to create our reality. Let's also use that to create our own reality and to create our impact on this world. Thank you very much for joining me for Kabbalah and Coffee. Hope some of this at least made sense. <laughs> and I hope uh, you're inspired to take on the week with a little bit more energy and uh, enthusiasm. All right, Shavuot Tov, everyone. Questions, comments? Yeah, I heard something interesting about the word genius, that we used to think of genius as something that came through you versus the language we kind of use now is like somebody is a genius versus a spark of genius mm. coming Interesting. And I think like the, the notion of how it's much more closer to it is that open notion of ideas bubble up, come through, but then it recedes. And then there, there could be a almost kind of like a fear for the genius that you have to constantly reproduce because people say you are a genius, not right. genius flowing through you. Right, right. And that's, I think that's the problem. It's a, it's a great point that you're making about genius flowing through you or you being a genius. Right, if somebody is pegged as a genius, that's a lot of pressure. Right? Have to be a genius. As opposed to giving space for that chachma creativity to flow through you, which is a much more manageable, I would say, and it creates much more freedom to allow that to actually happen. Very good point. I like that. You would say then that um, our, our prayers to Hashem tap into a, a level that leads to the chesed of Asilut, uh, because ultimately you're tapping into a, a source that results in the, the, the chesed of the highest world. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now that you say that, you just triggered another takeaway. Another takeaway. That within our prayers, we can actually ask for both levels. We can ask to see the realization of what's in the sketch, and we also have the power to go back to the drawing board, not because of us, but because our souls are connected with God, and to say to God, imagine a new reality for me. It's the change order in the blueprint, right? Yeah, it's the change order in the blueprint. Okay, and God gives us the ability to request that change. During the year, yeah. Anytime. That's why in the prayers, there's a, there's a phrase called Yehi Ratzon, yeah. which is translated as, may it be your will. And that doesn't even make sense. Kabbalah says it doesn't make sense. May it be your will. What does it mean, may it be your will? Either it is or it isn't. You know what may it be your will means? If it's not up until now, may it now be your will. We're requesting the change. We're requesting a change. We're, at, we're saying, you know what, this blueprint is not working for me anymore, right? I'm seeing, what it, what it's, I'm seeing the sketch and I'm seeing how it's being manifest. And What's the Hebrew word? Yehi, Y-E-H-I, Yehi, and then Ratzon, R-A-T-Z-O-N, Yehi, Ratzon. Um, may it be, and it's translated as may it be your will. Typically we say may it be your will, God, God of our fathers, that, uh, whatever. But again, the question is like, hold, hold on, stop. May it be your will? We're saying, God, I hope you want, either he wants or he doesn't want. What's, what's our wishing, you know, doing? What it means is, we're telling God, even if that's not in your sketch, 
or in our sketch, it's not in the blueprint, we'd like to request that. Uh, we'd like to start again. So that's maybe that's the ta- that maybe that's also the takeaway. So really, uh, Yehi Ratzon is um, even more primordial uh, uh, than 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 Baruch Hashem. Uh, well, because you're in Baruch Hashem, you're you're asking for something that intellectually re- you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You could. Yeah. I, I hear that. I think the point is: Are we appealing to what already is? And seeking to enjoy that, or are we appealing to what what is not already, but what could be the possibility? So, for example, when we pray for healing, we're not praying that you know whatever is in the cards should happen. We're praying that even if in the cards is something God forbid negative, that that script be changed, be amended. That's why the Talmud says that we are not under the astrological forces, even though we are but we're not, it means we're not limited to it. Which means that imagine like a, an actor in a movie who's looking at their lines and he or she says uh, you know, to themselves, like, I don't like these lines. I don't like the way my character is being developed. So you have an option, theoretically, if you have the connections, right? To go to the screenwriters, to go to the people that are writing it and say, hey, let's, let's have a talk about this. Like, can, we, can we modify my character? Right? You have the script and then you have to and then and then it's gonna be right, it's gonna unfold and be executed on, on, on camera. Or you can go back to the drawing board and say, okay, let's let's crumple this up and let's write new lines. Let's write a new ending. I don't like how my character develops here. So the Talmud says that we have that connection. So we don't need to dabble in the stars are just telling us what the script is. So why spend time looking at the script? work on changing the script if you don't right? I mean like the script we already know I mean to see that how this is in the in the um, in the actual uh, you know screenplay fine great it's nice to see that anyone ever do that where you look up like Fiddler on the Roof screenplay and you can read all the lines it's fun I've done that you can read you read like you see Tavia says this uh, uh, you can read it you can read it it's fun I don't know maybe it's not fun maybe it's fun you're for really, me you're really seeing a, a, the study of astrology doesn't get us very far. It, it, it shows how this yeah. is coming from there, but it, if the objective is to change something, yeah. it's not going to change anything. If you want something changed, go to the, go to the head writer <coughs> and appeal for it. We have a connection. The point is we have a connection to the head writer, yeah. to the one who imagined in the, in the first place. So then why, why, gra- why grapple with the stuff on the lower level? Let's go, go to the top. No, we I, have the connections I all the time. Years ago, you put a little more emphasis on astrology. Oh, no, we still... You moved so far beyond that. No, well, no, no, even in that talk on astrology, which I probably should do again at some point, um, the end, the the finale of that is that we're still not limited by it. Although it's... I think the example that I use is like astrology is like a batter, you know, baseball, and baseball being able to see the pitch as it comes out of the pitcher's hand. And knowing if it's a fastball, curveball, you know, the greatest hitters have the greatest eyes. They can see the pitch. Because you have like, I don't know, a half a second or less to decide whether to swing. And if to swing, where? Because <laughs> swinging is a very big, it's a very broad, you know, effort. Where are you going to swing? You don't have much time. They're 60 feet, 6 inches away, and they're throwing 
upwards of 100 miles an hour. There's not much time to decide. The greatest hitters are the ones with the greatest eyes who can see the angle of release of the baseball, how many fingers the pitcher used on the grip, what angle and, and how, the angle of the hand and the arm. It's an incredible malacha. And you know what? It's not being processed cognitively. It's like intuitively at that point because of all the training. But in, even intuition is still a cognitive process. It just happens really fast, so we call it intuitive. Right, so my, the point of all this is to say that astrology is essentially being able to look and see what's coming our way. Oh, fastball, off-speed pitch, curveball, slider, ephus, whatever, right? Like that's, ephus, I threw it. But that's, that's kind of like, that's what astrology is. But, I mean, how did, is that helpful? I don't know. We could have also waited and see what we got. Theoretically. You're going to meet the, you're going to meet the man of your dreams. Okay. If that's really going to happen, then, then I could also, I don't have to read in the paper, it also is going to happen. I'm theoretically, I'm saying if it's correct, then why did I have to read it there? Just to get a jump on the news? Okay. I think the real chiddush, the real thing is, could I change that? To know what's going to happen anyway, okay. Is but, that that radical? But, but Robert, couldn't you say with respect to meet the, your woman, to meet the man of your dreams, it could be that if you're not tuned in, you could you can miss it at one level the man of dreams, but not recognize that that person is the man. Yeah, yeah but and the, then move move apart. But then the question is like this: so if we have to put an effort anyway, so we needed to know that we have to put an effort anyway. Number one, number two, if that's not in the destiny, we can still change that by appealing to the source, by appealing to God. So either way, to spend time to to spend time in that space, it's not a contradiction to, to what I've said before about astrology. It's just saying that notwithstanding the value of that knowledge, we have a higher connection. I feel like I always quote Hebrew National ads at this point in the conversation. We answer to a higher authority. Although it's not answering, it's more of like we're connected to a higher authority. All right, I'm going to let everybody go. I know it's, uh, it's a little bit late. Question? Oh. Yeah. So Chabad, we say Amen to those three. In Shabbat, uh, when, you know, for example, concerning we say, can, can you? Can you right, right. Uh, that's a good question. I don't have a good answer. I know it depends, like, they're different Nusra'ot, they're different um, liturgic uh, forms of that. Yeah, many people say, some people say, Amen, can you hear Ratzon? Some people say, can you hear Some people say, Amen. I don't know. I think it makes us uh, unique. It makes us different, which is good, right? Yeah, anyway. They could. Tzadik could. Remember Chana, we talked about this, uh, well, talked about this in Wednesday night class. Chana asked for a blessing, but not for herself, for the greater good. Right. So it's, it's, the question is, is it personal or is it for the greater good? So a person could ask for a blessing for, for money and other resources, not for themselves, but in order to facilitate their mission on earth, which is a bit of a different, a different ask. That's why, the Rebbe explains, that's why on Rosh Hashanah, when, we're, when the focus should be on God, we, a, we end up asking for all these things. But shouldn't we be focusing on something greater than ourselves? Well, we're focusing on, our, on, on something greater than ourselves, i.e. our mission, 
And because we're focused on mission, so we turn to God and say, okay, you want me to get my mission done? I need the resource. Imagine you get hired by a company and you're not given the resources, the tools or the training. So it's like, God, all right, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm on, your, I'm on team God. All I need, just give me the company issued laptop. Give me the access login. Like I, need, I just need resources. I need food. I need a cafeteria. I need a place to, I need an office space. Like, hook me up with that. All right, good to see everyone. We'll see you, um, we'll, we'll, we'll say farewell to our online crew. David and Tony and Joy and Toba and Mariana, great to see you guys. Shavua Tov. As always, have a wonderful week. Lots of love and lots of blessings. We'll see you guys. Take care, everybody. Great. Rabbi, when is your kiddush lunch?